Happy New Year, buddy, and welcome to Drop Pass Podcast. I hope you had a relaxing holiday period and that you remember to leave some of that stress to year 2022 in order to start the new year with a full throttle. Today, we will go through the World Junior Championship Tournament and check out the most significant names and results from the best junior tournament in the world, which ended in a fashion that I was expecting even before the entire event began. Congrats to Canada for winning their second world title in a row and also I gotta give some respect for Czechia for battling until the very end and earning their first junior medal since the year 2005. It looked like the final was over after Canada took the 2-0 lead but just like previously the Czechs fought their way back to a tie and forced the game to overtime until Canada's Dylan Genther sealed the deal for the home nation. Brilliant tournament overall, lots of dramatic action and scoring was on display in this year's event, but just so that I can get all my points across from this year's tournament, we gotta kick off the episode officially and the best way to do that is by blasting out the intro music so, now that it has started to appear from the background, we both know that it's time to get into meat and potatoes so, without further ado, let's get go. And just like that, we have started our first episode of the year 2023. The World Junior Championships concluded just a few days ago, and today we are going to go over the teams and players that stood out to me the most, for better or worse. We haven't encountered any dramatic events on the NHL front, and most of the major headlines have surrounded injury updates, so therefore we will leave those to the side and get back to NHL news later on this month. And before we start our complete run-through of the event itself, I have to say that this year's tournament was one of the more entertaining ones in recent memory, due to high-scoring games, unexpected results from the round-robin, and the way the top teams differentiated themselves from the rest. And of course, I would be lying if I would have said that Connor Bedard wasn't a major factor in between all this, but I guess you already knew that if you follow the results at all from Team Canada. But Austria ended up getting relegated from the first year after losing two games to Latvia in the relegation series. And quite clearly, the absence of their number one prospect Marco Kasper began to be detrimental for the team's success. Meanwhile, Norway ended up winning the second tier and will be the team replacing them when the tournament kicks off again in Sweden later this year. Coming into the tournament, they were the weakest team on paper without a doubt and many believed that they would be the odd team out once all the games were played, which ended up becoming true and a colossal goal difference of minus 33 proves that they still have lots of work to do before even challenging the mid-tier teams on the world stage. They were only able to score two goals during the round robin and top performers for them ended up being the 2023 draft eligible Ian Zerscher and David Reinbacher. Meanwhile, Montreal's draft pick Vincent Roher was the other lone wolf on their offensive line alongside Scherzer. Reinbacher was the key contributor from their back end and showed that he should be in the top D-man conversation for the upcoming draft due to his combination of size and skill. And although the Austrians didn't bring that much entertainment to the table, Reinbacher was certainly a reason to keep eyes on this team since he was the standout player amongst their roster, meanwhile Zerger was the surprising name that jumped out for them, 
and could get picked in the later rounds if teams see some upside in his game, which was on display in this year's tournament. In case Casper would have participated in the tournament, the Austrians would have had one competitive line to ice each night, and most likely would have seen a bit more scoring, but the unfortunate fact is that they were missing all the key elements to fight for wins against even lesser competition, and were pretty much dominated in each game they played, which led to Latvia bouncing them in two games with goal difference of 9-4. So overall pretty uneventful tournament for those guys, and now they yet again have to battle to gain access to the first tier competition, which is easier said than done each year. Latvians on the other hand were able to avoid relegation, but the tournament overall for them didn't go as well as they would have probably liked, since they were only able to grab one point in the entire tournament which came from a shootout loss against Switzerland. They only allowed 14 goals against during the four round robin games and their netminder Patrick Berzens certainly earned some recognition for his performance in the tournament since their goal difference would have been much worse without him guarding their crease. Also, their first pairing of Bogdans, Hodes and Gustavs Oslens was a major factor for the team since those guys were running the tempo from their backline and were locks on their own defensive zone when the opposing washing machines began running their programs. Ozolins especially caught my eye due to his poised play style and the ability to play both sides of the puck. Meanwhile their key offensive cog ended up being Boston's fourth round pick, Dan's Lockmelis who was already mentioning the prospect run through who was able to notch three goals in six games and was clearly their most dominant offensive player, even with bid underwhelming stat line. He was able to create scoring chances, carry the puck to the offensive zone when it was needed, but the lack of offensive firepower amongst their forward core also affected his point total. But strong numbers from the J20 National and decent showing in the World Juniors probably keeps the beast front office hopeful regarding his future. Martin Slavis also showed some offensive flashes during the tournament and was a consistent contributor for the team even despite a lower point total. He currently plays in the USHL and has already committed to St. Cloud State for the upcoming year so he will get tested across the ocean in the future as well. And the last guy that I want to point out from Latvia is their left-handed blue liner Nick Svenenko who stood out in most of the games due to his good skating ability and brilliant puck distribution skills. Him and their blue line and despite only posting two points in six games was one of the more noticeable players on the ice when he had the puck on his tape. He plays in the QMJHL and will most likely represent the team in next year's tournament as well so for me it will be interesting to see what kind of progress he's going to be able to make once the tournament kicks off again later this year. A disappointing tournament for the team for sure, which will be hungry to improve their performance in next year's event. Next on the board we are going to have the teams that got eliminated in the quarterfinals, which were Germany, Switzerland, Slovakia and Finland. Germany had a miserable tournament as well, since they were only able to grab home one win in the entire tournament, which led them facing the US in the quarterfinals. While the score of 11-1 pretty much tells the tale from that game, and their overall goal difference of minus 15 from round robin indicates well how their entire tournament went as a whole. From the start, it was fairly obvious that they were going to be one of the bottom feeders of this event when looking at their this year's roster, 
which only featured two drafted prospects, Julian Lutz and goaltender Nikita Kwap. Their last year's top performer, Bennett Rosmi, was hurt during the round robin and was only able to suit up in three of their games, which certainly hurt the team while their top offensive name Lutz was only able to notch two points in five games and thus had a fairly underwhelming tournament when looking at his numbers and the responsibility he was given before the tournament. Nikita Kwap, though, kept them afloat at times with his performances in net and increased his numbers from the previous years, which was promising sign for the Canes organization, but as a whole, not much was expected from this punch ahead of the event, and pretty much nothing surprising came out of that, so fairly tasteless, scentless, and numb performance from the Germans in this year's Junior World Tournament. At least they were able to avoid relegation stage and will remain in the first year, but next year will be another challenge for this team, so hopefully they are able to improve their performance before the chapter number 2024. Switzerland had its ups and downs throughout the tournament, and although their roster included some names that turned heads at times, the fact is that their this year's roster just wasn't good enough to challenge the top teams in the tournament, and a 9-1 bouncing in the quarterfinals was the cherry on top of their flat layer cake. After winning the opening night battle against the Finns in the overtime, they went on and beat Latvia in the shootout the following day and ended up taking two points from Slovakia after another shootout before their quarterfinals match against the Czechs. Their goaltending was most likely their biggest weakness throughout the competition since their top names up top and on the blue line performed to expectations at least to a certain extent and of course they didn't have as much firepower up front as they've had years past but still, names such as Biasca, Robin and Canonica made it possible for them to battle until the very end against most of the teams they faced during the tournament. Liam Bixell was their leading force on the blue line and he really stood out in otherwise somewhat weak blue line and if he keeps progressing the way he's done so far, he will have a lengthy stay in the bright lights with the stars due to his massive frame, strong defensive game and solid passing ability. He once again showed his physical pedigree in the tournament and crushed some opponents with powerful checks, and even at times was able to showcase his underrated puck skills as he brought the puck up the ice when there was no passing options available. Biaska had a sound tournament as I had expected, and was probably the most dangerous forward for the Swiss alongside Canonica, and after his tournament I'm 100% sure that he's going to get his name called in the upcoming draft because he's been lighting up the queue this year with the Mooseheads and led the team in points in this tournament, so my praise didn't go to waste from the previous prospect episode. Canonic as well created scoring chances for the team on nightly basis due to his slick edges and good hands. Meanwhile, Valdor's forward Louis Robin was one of the more surprising names for me on their roster, who had a good tournament on a personal level and created trouble for the opposing defenders because of his speed and deceptive shot. Brian Zanetti did his job in their own end and by no means was I expecting him to be their top scorer or anything like that, so in my papers he had a decent showing especially related to his expectations. But as I said, depth and goaltending especially were the downfalls for this team and it was great to see them creating some problems for the bigger nations in the tournament with their play, but if they want to see themselves in the medal games in the future again, they have to get more big name players on the roster who can take the offensive responsibility, while the team focuses on cohesive defensive game, 
and minimizing the opposition's dangerous scoring chances. So, as expected, troublesome team that wasn't going to reach any major heights in this year's tournament is my summary for their 2023 competition. Slovakia ended up drawing the short end of the stick from the group stage since they finished third in the group B and thus had to face the Canadians in the quarterfinals who finished second in the group A. Well, they fought back to a tie after being down 2 to nothing and took the game all the way to overtime before magician Conor Bedard took the entire Slovak trio to a walk, including their netmother Adam Jayan, and their tournament was over just like that. It was unfortunate since Slovaks had a very strong tournament overall even without their number one draft pick Juraslavkovsky, and with more favorable draw, I could imagine them reaching the top four by the fact they that you just have to win all games in order to win the trophy and this time the standings were not favorable and Canadians ended up bouncing them after the one-man show. Simon Image was undoubtedly their main man throughout the tournament and ended up eating a lot of minutes on their back end and he was the rock throughout the entire tournament who opened up their play with his passing, played big minutes against the top players in every game and contributed offensively when it was needed. 2023 eligible Maxim Sturback also impressed me during the tournament and will most likely flirt with a second round spot next summer after a successful showing against the best under 20 year olds in the world. Offensively, Philip Massar was undoubtedly their main cog and created a lot of scoring chances on shift to shift basis. His speed, stick handling ability and great offensive IQ created a lot of problems for the opposing defenders. And for example, his linemates Libor Nemec and Peter Repcik ended up benefiting from his presence. It was great to see him leading the team's offense as a Habs fan, so I hope that this trend continues strong in the OHL for the remainder of the junior hockey season as well. Previously mentioned Libor Nemec took me by surprise in this tournament since I remember seeing him last year in the Finnish U20 level. And despite the upside I saw in those few games, I still gotta say that he has taken big strides this year development-wise, and I can only imagine that he will keep improving his numbers in the USHL after such a terrific U20 tournament. And as I mentioned, centerman Peter Repcik also punched above his weight class this year, so it should be expected that his numbers should start climbing after he makes his return to QMJHL. Minnesota's 6th round selection, Servas Petrowski, was also one of their more dangerous forwards, and the Owen Sound rep will most likely keep his pace in the O just like Repcik will. Meanwhile, the 2023 eligible names Jernik and Vorsky also lived up to expectations and were constant threats in the offensive zone with three points for both guys. Dvorsky especially is looking like a lock for the top 10 for the upcoming draft due to his strong performance and although the numbers wouldn't necessarily tell you that, you gotta remember that the guy is still 17 years old and was playing against the best under 20 year olds in the world. His shot is just something you gotta look out for each time he has the puck and when you add to that mix size and silky smooth hands equipped with V6 engine, Boy, you got a problem in your hands, which every team would want on the next level. Chernik as well kept impressing me in each game and his great skating ability plus soft hands and good passing ability kept defenders on their toes each night, so he should be banging the first round door once the name calling starts in late June this year. 
Samuel Honzek though got hurt in the early part of the tournament and only dressed up in two games so as a draft nerd I would have loved to see where he would compare between the three of them but sadly his tournament was cut short and now we just have to focus on seeing his impact in the WHL where he so far has posted strong numbers and especially for that reason I would have liked to see if that momentum would have carried over to the top junior tournament as well. And lastly, who really took me and many others by surprise was their netminder Adam Jayan, who had an outstanding tournament between the pipes, with impressive 0.936 save percentage and 2.40 goals against average in 4 games, and this way enabled the Slovaks to fight for wins in every game he played. He stood on his head in their last game against Canada as well, and really stamped himself in the prospect docks across the NHL, and with this kind of performance, plus big frame and strong numbers from the USHL, I wouldn't be surprised if he got drafted in the upcoming entry draft to a team that has patience and time to develop this raw but skillful netminder. So overall, I would say that the ending was really disappointing for the team, since they really were able to challenge the big dogs in the tournament, but this time, their journey ended in the quarterfinals, but with the way they've been pumping out prospects in recent years, they should be back at it again next year, and we'll see if they have what it takes to advance to the semifinals and even beyond that. And lastly, we have our Finns, and what more can I say than major disappointment on all accounts. This year it felt like the team was really lacking the X-Factor players first time in many years, and the so-called role players were able to put up this kind of result. And by no means am I downplaying guys such as Kemel, Newman, Oliver Kapanen or Ville Koivunen, but when you see the name list from previous tournaments, you understand that this team was heavily underpowered compared to previous ones. But on the other hand, that hasn't meant that Finns haven't been really competitive since their game heavily relies on structure and cohesive two-way game, and once that isn't enough against the big nations in these kind of tournaments, you get left in the dust pretty quickly if the top guys can't find the offensive spark quickly enough. Joachim Kemel carried the offensive duties alongside his line mates Oliver Kapanen and Ville Koivonen. Jani Neumann was a tremendous second string offensive threat, and Alexi Heimos only quarterbacked their offensive units, but overall, the team's performance just wasn't up to par with the rest of the top teams and it ended up crumbling in the worst stage imaginable against the Swedes in the quarterfinals. Their game was all over the place during the round robin and the question really was heading into the quarterfinal matchup, which Finland were we really going to see? The one who outskated and outbattled the Slovaks or the team that struggled against the Swiss and got manhandled by the US. Well, the prior is what we got for the deciding game, but unfortunately, their journey ended to the overtime against the Swedes, and it has to be said that there's a lot to be done before the next year's U20 event, since the team didn't seem ready enough to challenge the big teams at all. Ville Koivunen had a somewhat disappointing tournament in my eyes yet again, since a lot of expectations were set to their first line, and they were heavily relied upon when it came to the team's offensive production, and only two assists in five games just isn't enough in my opinion in this kind of tournament. So, unfortunately, the trend kept its track from the previous U20 tournament. 
Brad Lambert was another major disappointment to me offensively because after all, he spent the first part of the season overseas in the AHL. And knowing how good he is offensively, leadership and points were not out of the question by any means if you would have asked me before the tournament started. But only one goal in five games is just not good enough. Especially from a player of his caliber and clearly he and Koivonen both followed the same path when it came to back-to-back -to -back underwhelming U20 tournaments, unfortunately. Topirani as well belongs to the same category and meanwhile the expectations were not as massive as for the previous two. Zero points in five games tells you all you need to know about his Canadian pit stop. And for a guy that has spent the majority of the season in Liga, that total is just embarrassing to be quite frank. And the last nominee for the disappointing performances is going to be goaltender Aku Koskenvo, who had a horrendous U20 tournament. No ifs or buts about it. 0.842 save percentage and 4.47 goals against average in two games is much worse than I could have expected from an NCAA caliber tendy. So all I can say is that if he wants to stop Bucks in next year's tournament, those numbers better jump up quite drastically since Lampinen has now taken the starter role and Seattle's pick Niklas Koko has been posting impressive numbers in every level he has played. So it is anything but sure that he gets to enjoy the starter role when the tournament kicks off next December. On the flip side though, Sami Päivärinta, Kalle Ervasti, Otto Salin and Kalle Väisenen were pleasant surprises who filled their roles on their lineup. Meanwhile, Nico Huhtanen and Topias Villen were as solid as expected and took a lot of responsibility on both ends of the ice throughout the tournament. But it has to be said that Villens and his deep partners Heimo Salmi's point totals could have used some work, because after all they had the most minutes out of Finnish blue liners, but overall solid all-around play from our first pairing D-man. Same goes with Oliver Kapanen who had a tremendous tournament in my eyes, in a sense that he was probably playing a bit over his best suited role, because he was a tremendous forechecker throughout the entire tournament and caused a lot of turnovers. So the best scenario for him would have probably been the 2C spot, but since there wasn't a ton to choose from, he carried his duties with dignity, but unfortunately, the offensive numbers weren't quite where they would have needed to be on this level. So unfortunately, I can't give clean papers to anyone on this team since, like I said, this outcome was a major disappointment and there's plenty of room for improvement, so hopefully they will get their game together for the upcoming 2024 tournament because the team unfortunately doesn't seem to get that much stronger on paper when the next chapter begins in Sweden. Then we head to the top four where we have Sweden who beat the Finns in the quarterfinals but ended up losing to Czechia in the semifinals and were beat by the US in a dramatic and highly entertaining bronze medal game. The best performers for them were defenseman Ludwig Jansson, who had a tremendous tournament offensively, Sharks pick Philip Bysted, 2023 top 5 pick Leo Carlson, Isaac Rossen, and goaltender Carl Lindbom, who was rock solid in their net despite the collapse in the final game against the US. In addition, Winnipeg 6th round pick Fabian Wagner surprised me with his level of play, and ended the tournament with 6 points in 7 games. Noah Eslund and Jonathan Lekkerimäki also created scoring chances on constant basis for the Swedes and were dangerous players in the offensive zone despite the fact that both guys were only able to notch 4 points in 7 games. And I also gotta throw some recognition on Adam Engstrom's way since 
he ate a lot of minutes on their blue line and was extremely solid defensively so the Habs will have another great defensive catalyst in their pipeline from last year's entry draft. The 2023 eligible Axel Sandin Pellica also shined in this tournament and I gotta say that I was surprised to see that he only grabbed home one assist from the entire event since he orchestrated their game from their blue line alongside Ludwig Janssen and in my papers made a real mark for himself when talking about the top blue liner of the upcoming draft so despite extremely low point total he shined in the games he played and showcased why he should be a top 10 to 15 pick in the upcoming draft event. The biggest disappointment though was hands down Fabian Lucelle, who is having a fantastic rookie season with the Providence Bruins in the AHL and was one of their best players during the last year's tournament but in seven games he wasn't able to record any points and got even ejected in the first period of the bronze medal game so it goes without saying that a lot more was expected from him heading into this tournament. And I have to say that it didn't come down to him being lazy or not being able to create scoring chances since, at least the games that I watched, he was one of their more dangerous forwards in the offensive zone and probably even hit every crossbar on the ice that he could have. But this time the puck just didn't bounce his way and he ended the tournament with a massive goose egg on his stat sheet. But due to his tremendous start in the AHL, I wouldn't worry too much about his upside as a Bees fan since he possesses tremendous skill set and will be within their NHL organization in just a year or two, if not this year already, with the way he's been scoring. But nevertheless, it was tough to see his point total after the last game of their tournament. Liam Ögren, Simon Robertson and Kalle Odelius also were somewhat disappointments to me and seemingly faded into the crowd in most games despite being one of the more highly touted prospects on the roster. Ögren found the back at the net twice and was a presence on the offensive zone but something was just lacking in his game that I expected to see more of like in the U18 tournament and meanwhile Odelius is known for his sound two-way game which doesn't bring you to the edge of your seat. I was expecting more out of him since their decor wasn't that stacked in the big picture so I was expecting him to take a bigger role on their blue line but that didn't happen and all he got to take away from Canada was one goal and a minus four rating. Other than that, much like the Finns, their game fluctuated greatly throughout the tournament, but the biggest difference was that the top players delivered when it was needed, and the amount of skill they possessed just took them where many others would have wanted to be as well. Ludwig Jansson was their very prototypical smooth skating puck distributor, who surprised some goaltenders with his lethal one-timer and overall just reminded me a lot of guys like Adam Boquist and Viktor Söderström so we'll see if the Panthers end up getting a steal to their blue line or if he ends up fading in the matter like both guys mentioned earlier have started to do after very successful U20 appearances. Philip Bistead also shined in this tournament with his puck projection ability and poised playstyle and although he isn't the most fleet-footed forward out there, he has the ability to create scoring chances by positioning himself to right places. And in this tournament, for example, he made his living in front of the net while finding teammates in this cycle. I'm still not completely sold by his upside on the next level, but without questions, he had a favorable tournament overall and somewhat separated himself from the other first-round picks with his maturity and pro-ready frame. 
And while we didn't get the Conor Bedard-esque performance from Lucas Carlson, it has to be said that he is quickly stapling down his spot in the top three because although he had a slow start to this year's tournament, at times he looked like a man playing amongst boys and was eventually almost able to reach the point per game mark. So extremely successful event for the 18-year-old Swedish phenom as well. Isaac Rosen was one of the more dangerous forwards on the roster and created a lot of chances off the rush. And pretty much the only thing missing from his report card are the goals because even though he ended up having two talks in seven games, I was expecting more and I feel like he did as well given his great start in the AHL for Rochester. Noah Eslund as well belongs to the same category where his speed and puck handling ability created a lot of problems for defenders. But frankly, more points was expected just like from his linemate like Kerimaki, who ended the tournament with the same point total as his centerman. And lastly, Carl Lindbaum played all seven games for the Swedes and was amongst the best tendies in the entire tournament despite the collapse in the bronze medal game. And just like I mentioned in the prospect episode, the Knights have a tremendous netminder on their hands from the later rounds who is going to challenge for a starting job in the SHL next year if the momentum keeps its track. But most likely, this was a disappointing ending for the entire team and undoubtedly, this left many craving for success in the upcoming home tournament. So, expect to see these guys back in the top 4 next year when they assemble their Avengers to represent their country in December 2023. So the US ended up taking home the bronze medal after Winnipeg's Chess loses completed his hat-trick in the overtime. And although the word surrounding the team is that this was a so-called setup year for next World Juniors, you gotta take a look at their name list and realize that it was stacked from top to bottom. Of course, those are going to somewhat change when the next tournament kicks off, but they had names that are in the top tier when it comes to NHL-affiliated and undrafted prospects, such as Luke Hughes, who, in my point of view, was robbed from an all-star nomination, Cutter Gauthier, Jimmy Snuggerud, Jess Lucis, and Rutger McCrory. Add to that Blue Liners Ryan Afko, who really broke out in this tournament, and Lane Hudson, and you realize how much firepower they had, and why they were so disappointed after losing to Canada in the semifinals. But it is what it is, they ended up with a medal after all, and many names really impressed with their individual talents. And I would even go as far as say that, Yet again, with better goaltending, the outlook could have been totally different, but this is what they got this year, and next year, they have another chance to avenge this fate and try to shine up the color of their medal when the next tournament rolls around. Logan Cooley was hands down their most noticeable forward, and pretty much he created space and scoring chances on shift-to-shift basis, thanks to his tremendous skating and puck handling ability, so the Yotes should have extremely competent center for their first line for years to come, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him putting on the Coyote jersey before the NHL season is over since he has been extremely impressive in the NCAA, and this tournament was just another evidence of his high-end ceiling. Same goes with Luke Hughes, who was to me one of the more mesmerizing players of this tournament, and you could see from his confidence that he has played even tougher games meaning against men in the world championships, so at times he made it look even too easy when he was going coast to coast without breaking a sweat. He's going to be in the NHL in no time, let me make that very clear, and he will man the Devils first pairing for a long time and race up to the elite group of blue liners in few years 
once he gets his defensive game in check, which is still very much a work in progress, as we saw in this tournament. To me, he's a mix of Rasmus Dahlin and Victor Hedman, where he has the skating and puck skills of Dahlin, and great frame and rush defense of Hedman, where he's able to just outskate the opposing forwards and just sweep the puck of their stick without any physical contact. But if he learns to add a tad more physicality in his defensive game and learns to play a bit meaner, he could be in the top three in the league when it comes to D-men in few years, because he has all the talent in the world to make that happen especially given his elite skating ability, which was a treat to watch yet again. So I can say that I love to watch their games only because of his presence in their backline. Jimmy Snuggerud as well had a tremendous tournament and he pretty much continued where he left off in the NCAA. So the Blues are going to have a lethal top six option in their hands once he makes the jump to professional ice. And once again, it has to be stated that to me, it is still mesmerizing how he ended up dropping on the draft board because he has proved time and time again that he has the offensive x-factor in his game which can't be found from that many players in each draft class. Purebred Sniper went to the dirty areas of the ice and found the holes to score 5 goals for the US and pretty much the same goes with the other snipers Cutter Gauthier and Jess Lucis who both had a tremendous tournament on their own and were constant threats in the offensive zone due to their excellent releases. Rutger McCrory completed his power forward duties amazingly in front of the crease, causing a lot of headaches for goaltenders and the opposing defenders. Red Savage shined with his relentless two-way game and quick feed. Meanwhile, Jackson Blake showed why he's been as productive as he's been through the past two years in the US Junior Leagues, and ended the tournament with one goal and five assists to go along. Bit undersized winger is as elusive as they get and can thread pucks through traffic with tremendous accuracy so it wasn't surprising to see him reaching almost a point per game pace while playing on their second power play unit. Gavin Brindley most likely also improved his stock for the upcoming draft. Dylan Duke was a reliable two-way option for them throughout the tournament. Luke Middlestad most likely earned himself a late NHL pick if he continues to grow his game in the NCAA. Meanwhile, Lane Hudson showcased his great offensive gifts and set the pace when it came down to opening the game from their own zone. Sean Behrens, Jack Peart and Ryan Chesley were capable of shutting down the opposition and opened up the play with great passing when it was needed. Meanwhile, netminder Trey Augustine had a decent tournament all the way to the bronze medal game, where he started to leak like his counterpart Lindbaum did. But until that game, I would say that he played above his expectations and probably raised few eyebrows with this play. So solid showing for most guys on their lineup, but without questions for them, it is never an easy pill to swallow to lose to the Canadians. So this without questions leaves some hunger for the team for the upcoming event, and we'll see if this really was a setup tournament, and if they are going to come guns blazing to Sweden when the first puck drops in Göteborg. The gold medal game ended up being entertaining until the final whistle because after leading the game 2-0 for two periods, the Czechs fought their way back and forced the game to overtime before Dylan Genther nailed down the game for Canada. The Czechs reminded me a lot of previous Finnish teams where they played well-balanced 5-on-5 hockey, where the lineup featured few highly touted prospects who led the team offensively, but still the team focused on strong defensive game. 
Add to that tournament's best goaltender and all my Finnish listeners understand what I'm exactly talking about. But the cold hard fact is that the Czechs wouldn't have been in the final without Tomas Suhanek's heroics. And with this performance, the Tri-City Netminder most likely secured himself an NHL team where the organizations start calling names during June. 0.934 save percentage and 1.52 goals against average in 7 games is outstanding for a goaltender who wasn't expected to be this dominant. And of course those numbers are boosted because of their strong defensive game, which didn't allow that many high danger chances from up close. But still, at times he was the lone wolf facing the opposing hunters in the blue paint and really made a name for himself with this performance, which was the best in the entire tournament related to games played. Skater-wise, the All-Stars Yuri Kulic and David Yuricek were the catalysts of this team and without these two, the Czechs wouldn't have been fighting for medals in this year's tournament and that is a fact. Kulic was a constant threat especially off the rush given his excellent speed, lethal wrist shot and smooth hands. While on the power play, the Czechs definitely possessed a lethal one-time partnership where Kulic was set up on the right side and Juricek was ripping pucks from the left side with this cannon of a shot. Juricek ate a lot of minutes as you could expect and was an integral part of both of their defensive as well as offensive game and at times was looking like a man playing against boys due to his sturdy frame. He will be a sound partner for Zach Wierenski on the Blue Jackets blue line and just like Hughes, you could see from his game that he's been in tougher circles before and was the calming factor in defense, which was needed especially against the powerhouse teams of this tournament. In addition to those guys, another Blue Jackets pick, Stanislav Wozel, had a tremendous tournament on their back end, and pretty much had the performance I was expecting to see in the previous event, where he alongside wild pick David Spasek brought Cerny to their blue line, who as well, in fact, had a terrific tournament offensively, as both guys finished with over point per game at 8 points each. Swozil's two-way game and great skating was on display throughout the tournament, while Spacek's great edges and accurate slap shot led to a lot of scoring chances for the Czechs, and on offense, the Vegas duo of Jakub Brabenek and Matias Sapovaliv was an integral part of their top six and provided the passing that was needed to find goal scorers Coolidge and surprise name Gabriel Sturge in scoring opportunities. Sturge has had a tremendous season in the dub and with this performance most likely strengthened his chances of getting drafted in this year's entry draft. Meanwhile, undrafted power forward Marcel Marcel also caused a lot of trouble for the opposing defenses due to his massive frame which could be found parked in front of the net many times when he wasn't dominating the corner battles with his puck projection ability. 2023 eligible Edward Sale was also an important piece of their offense and the young winger presented his high-end skill set in this event and finished the tournament with 6 points in 7 games so his draft stock probably didn't experience a massive hit but quite vice versa. Other notable performers from their lineup were Rangers pick Jaroslav Smelar. Florida's Jakub Kosh and Ottawa's defenseman Tomas Hamara, who didn't party with points this time around but was rock solid defensively and opened up the play with this passing from their own end. So all in all, a massive success story for the Czechs on all accounts and hopefully this trend will continue in the upcoming tournaments as well so that we can see more color in the medal games just like Slovakia has done in recent years.
And lastly, we have the champions Canada, and just as I had thought before the tournament started, there was only one team of this caliber in the entire competition, and it was pretty clear as to why they took home the trophy when it was all said and done. The team was stacked from top to bottom, and the NHL additions of Brent Clark, Dylan Genther, and Shane Wright really sealed the deal for them, because those guys carried the team alongside the young phenom Connor Bedard, and stars forward Logan Stankoven. You also can't forget Thomas Milic's impact on the team since the undrafted netminder ended up stealing the starting job from Ben Gaudreau during the round robin, and was a stone wall for the team when he was needed the most, and without him, I don't know if they would have won the gold, even with the firepower they possessed. 0.932 save percentage and 1.76 goals against average pretty much seals the deal when it comes to him getting drafted in the upcoming entry draft. And the other names that really stood out alongside the previously mentioned names include Montreal's pick Joshua Bois, Rangers first rounder Brendan Othman, Anaheim's blue line virtuoso Olin Selwager, and the projected number two pick of the upcoming draft, Adam Fantilli. Tyson Hintz was also a name that probably jumped to many people's radars during the event, and I also gotta give credit to Ethan Del Mastro, who was the backbone of their blue line, even though the numbers wouldn't necessarily indicate that. But as you probably know, Connor Bedard was running the show for the Canadians, and it's becoming quite clear that he will be the next great thing in the NHL, following the footsteps of Connor McDavid, because he was able to break a single tournament point and goal records for Team Canada as a 17-year-old and almost did what he wanted in each game he played. So, all you Bedard haters, if there's any, you better hope that the team drafting him is going to be the one you support, because if not, you are going to feel miserable and that feeling won't go away anytime soon. 23 points in 7 games is just something indescribable, especially when you realize that this guy is just 17, playing against 18 to 20 year olds, and surpassed pretty much all expectations that were set to him before the tournament even started. So at least I can say that it was nothing but entertaining to watch him step onto the ice each time. Generational talent, there's no denying that, and after this performance the tank trains will start to jog along even harder, because every bottom feeder in the NHL wants the best odds to draft him, there's no denying that. His linemates Wa and Stan Coven expectedly benefited from his presence on the ice as well, while the player that benefited the most ended up being Arizona's first round pick Dylan Genther, who was served with open nets on a silver platter on the power play, and finished the tournament with 10 points to his name from 7 games. Wah and Stankoven were great supporting cast for Bedard on their second line, and Wah especially proved that he's much more than just an offensive catalyst by clocking up minutes on the penalty kill, and by effectively stripping pucks on the forecheck. Stankoven though pretty much just proved that his trajectory is still in place, and the offense comes naturally to him. Meanwhile, their number one D-man, Brent Clark, made some people regret their decision to leave him out from their previous tournament, and ended the event with 8 points in 7 contests. His offensive skills are undeniable, and he played extremely sound two-way game throughout the tournament, just like his counterpart Olin Selwager did, while he also showcased his great edge work and his ruthlessness in finding the open lanes to get the puck on the net from the blue line. 
In addition, Shane Ryder was a man on a mission and looked like a man playing against boys at times and truly was the leader of this Canadian squad all throughout this tournament. Meanwhile, his line mate Brendan Othman once again impressed with his versatility and was a balancing factor on their first line, who caused some havoc on the forecheck, made his living within the crease area and finished every hit possible, which made defenders think twice about holding on to the puck for more than a few seconds. Adam Fantilli flashed his skill set at times and really proved why he would be worth the second overall pick, especially given the fact that, for the most part, he played third or even fourth line minutes. So extremely competent showing for him as well in this year's competition. Kevin Korczynski, Nathan Gauthier, Jack Ostapchuk, Zach Dean, Nolan Allen and Caden Bankier filled their more defensive roles and pretty much the only disappointments from this team ended up being their goaltender. Ben Gaudreau, who was just coldly pushed to a backup role after a few games, and Edmonton's first-round selection, Reed Schaefer, who was only able to record one point within the seven games they played, and pretty much spent the majority of the tournament in a depth role, which didn't seem to fit him that well, but that's just how things go when the team is as stacked as it was this year. So all in all, this team just did what it needed, met the expectations set to them and started the year 2023 as a back-to-back -back champions from the U20 World Junior Tournament. So couldn't have asked for much more and overall the team was just so stacked that if they would have failed to find a goal this year, it would have been a major disappointment for the entire nation. So not much else needs to be said about their performance other than that. The individual awards went to Connor Bedard, the tournament MVP and the best forward. David Juracek earned the best defenseman award quite deservedly. And Slovakia's Adam Jajan was announced as the best goaltender in the tournament, which was also understandable given his starting spot in the roster and the way he kept the team in play in many games. So deserved honor as well. But the tournament's all-star team ended up comprising of Czechia's goaltender Tomas Suhanek who easily could have taken the best goalie award as well. From the blue line, the honors went to previously mentioned Jiricek and Sweden's Ludwig Janssen, who had a tremendous tournament with 10 points in 7 games. And finally, the all-star forwards came from Canada, Czechia and the United States. Connor Bedard, surprise surprise, Logan Cooley and Jiri Kulic. The top scorer in the tournament ended up being Bedard with 23 dots in 7 games, Logan Cooley took the second place with 14 point total in same amount of games. His linemate Jimmy Snuggerud took the third spot with 13 points, while the remaining two spots in the top five went to Canada's Joshua Waugh and Logan Stankoven with 11 point totals. Ludwig Janssen and Ryan Afko were the highest scoring D-men with 10 point totals, and Jayan had the best save percentage in the tournament of 0.936 in four games, and almost also saved the same amount of shots as the guy behind him who played three more games, so that should tell you something about his freakishly good performance. But that wraps up the U20 coverage. I have to say that this was most likely the best junior tournament that I've watched in a quite a long time. Due to all the ups and downs of each team, stacked rosters, Cinderella stories and the high scoring numbers, so if you didn't watch any games, I'm sorry to tell you that you missed a lot of good hockey. And the fact just is that these games are some of the most entertaining you get to watch in the midst of the season, so I've learned to enjoy them, and once again, it didn't disappoint me like it did just a few years ago. 
But I hope you enjoyed this U20 coverage episode. I had a blast watching these games, even though the journey for my fins ended quite prematurely. Also, make sure to go check out the social media pages from the description and to press the follow button on Spotify or wherever you are currently listening this, so that you don't happen to miss any future uploads. And by doing so, you also support the show, and for that I am extremely grateful for. Thank you once again for stopping by. I love the amount of feedback you guys have been giving me lately. And my aim is to improve this show slowly but surely and keep entertaining you in the future as well. So thank you once again for the support. I have nothing else to say at this point. Like I said, hope you enjoyed. Remember to stop by again. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.